Hello, and welcome to episode four of Digital Signage Explored. My name is Tim from Signage Live, and this time we had the great opportunity to sit down and speak to Dave Haynes, who has had years of collective knowledge of digital signage from all walks of life, from being a consultant to talking to those industry leaders within the businesses that are building better digital signage for the future. And we're basically talking to Dave about boring digital signage, for lack of a better word. And that's just to take away the glitz and the glamour of some of these really big pieces that are often talked about, video walls. Um, a good example is the LG Sphere that's obviously uh, launched a little while ago. And we talk about where digital signage can actually become useful for people's day-to-day -day lives. I think this really strips away from some of the uh, glitz and glamour that we're often talking about, but looks at how it can affect you and your employees on a day-to-day -day basis to make their lives easier. Uh, Dave obviously has a huge amount of insight, so you won't want to miss this one, especially if you're you know, a thought leader or industry leader, or you're looking uh, from a CEO perspective or a solutions architect perspective to make sure that you understand how to get the most out of your digital signage for employee communications. All right, let's get started. Welcome again to Digital Signage Explored. My name is Tim from Signage Live, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Dave Haynes from 69, the host of 69 Podcast, and basically the spearhead in terms of understanding digital signage and the way it works. And Dave, you've had the opportunity to speak to pretty much everyone in the industry, and I, I really appreciate you taking some time with me today. Yes, I'm the tip of the spear, I guess. <laughs> well, so I wanted to get started because obviously, this is episode four, I think it'll be coming out. And we've been talking a little bit about what subject we wanted to cover, what made sense for you, given your incredible breadth of knowledge within the industry. Did you want to start off by just giving us a quick introduction to your tenure in digital signage? Sure. Sorry, I'm fighting a cold, so I probably sound like a three-pack-a-day smoker <laughs> or something. I don't smoke. Uh, I'm, I'm very old. I've been in the industry for a very long time. I actually got my start in newspapers back in 1979 covering rock bands. But somehow or other, I found my way into digital signage in 1999, and uh, it started out putting screens in elevators and office towers in Canada. I was uh, VP Ops for that company, mm -hmm. and then I uh, went off on my own, did a few things, and ooh, 2009 or so, I just kind of decided, you know what, I'm kind of tired of working for other people, so... I started my own kind of consulting practice mm. and writing service, things like that, based on my years as a journalist. But I'm more known than anything else for producing 169, which I've been doing since 2006. Mm -hmm. Almost 10,000 posts now. And wow. I've been doing a podcast as well since 2016. And there's something like 300 or so interviews on there as well. So yeah, I have chatted with a number of people in this industry through the years. Yeah, I have got a bit of sweaty palms here because this is obviously my <laughs> fourth ever interview. So do go easy on me. I'm gonna, I'm not going to be quite as concise as you are, but I, I really, again, I think the opportunity to sit down with you and talk about digital signage is there's no better well of knowledge in terms of the breadth of different things that digital signage can do. Um, That's kind of sad. Oh, well, no, I mean, you've got to be, you're at the top of the tower. And I think just to be able to dig in and get some of those nuggets of information for people that are looking at digital signage for the first time, uh, there's, there's no better fountain as a source to, to go to. I, I don't think so. Well, let's see if I can sign intelligent. Okay. So obviously we, we just said, we've been talking a little bit about what we wanted to discuss today and what would be a subject that made sense. And I was actually talking to Jason, our CEO, and he said that actually one of the subjects that you are often talking about is more, not to put too fine a point on it, 
more boring digital signage, those things that aren't flashy or exciting yeah. or the big showy pieces, but those that actually deliver a huge amount of function to yeah. wherever they're located. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the big boring, or pardon me, the big exciting high visual ones that cost a fortune are, you know, they're amazing, they're wonderful, but they reflect a, a really small subset of all the digital signage that's done out there. And uh, never wins awards, never gets any attention. But uh, the boring stuff to me is where this really works in a lot of cases. And boring can be just like digital menu boards. Those are boring. That's not exciting visuals or anything else, but it's highly functional. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like things that can be as simple as saying, this is not open right now, or this part is closed, go this way. You go to an airport, and if there are screens that are using sensors, to reflect on the screen that the screening time for this security screening area is going to be 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But if something else is saying, if you go this way, a hundred meters, it's five minutes because it's not as busy or something. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So things that just tell you where to go, what's going on. I, I was in England uh, about a month ago and came up to visit you guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, was it the East Anglia train system or I don't know what, but they had these bar type screens on the ceiling and it would show you how many cars are on the train where which cars have seats available mm -hmm. there was a sensor that would light up if the water closet as they call them over there was open or occupied uh, all those things and that's just really boring but really highly functional and useful for people and i, I think that that's actually typically 95 percent of the business that we do here but as yeah. you said the five percent that is the showy video walls or the experiential stuff gets all the attention because it's attractive. I mean, just have to look at the, the Vegas sphere is the, mm -hmm. the, the, the prime example of that where it's had the most media attention. I think any digital signage project has ever had and, and it's one of them and there, there will almost certainly never be two. So the, well, they're supposed to be building one in the UK or at least they're trying to, but really, I, yes, over by Stratford. Oh, that's totally new to me. Okay, well, I stand corrected. They're building multiples of them. There's going to be one in every city. Well, I, I think they're they're trying to get permissions and they may face a problem with people saying, I really don't want this giant light orb uh, blasting into my apartment. Yeah, we'll see what the uh, what the hunger is for that in the UK. It might be slightly yes. different in the Vegas uh, ecosystem. One never knows. No. Um, so boring digital signage. I don't know. It's, that's a very mean term. Function over fashion is kind of the, the term that I like sure. to sit on. but. Is there any, from a, a corporate workspace scenario, have you seen anything that you've gone, I've never considered that, or I never actually come across that idea, but it's been so well implemented that I don't know why this isn't standard across the board. I, I think more, it's hard to isolate one thing, but broadly speaking, uh, a, a lot of the workplace digital science that was done to date was all focused on the office. Mm -hmm. And while I think that's great, the office has other ways of communicating with staff. It's the back of house areas where there are quote unquote deskless workers, manufacturing plants, logistics facilities, on and on and on. That's where I think digital science really, really shines because there's not a whole hell of a lot of ways to communicate with these people. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you've got screens in there, you can tell them what's going on. You can make them aware of HR programs. You can be tied into the HVAC system, building systems. And if there's like a carbon monoxide leak or something like that, it can flash on the screen saying, this is happening, mm -hmm. go this way, or, you know, do this or just whatever it's, it, 
So those sort, sorts of things where you're tying into how a building works and how a, a company works, I, I think that's really, really powerful. And back to the office, I think, where there's a high level of functionality is this whole idea of hybrid workspaces and how post-COVID, you have people who are coming back into the office, but maybe the office is being reconfigured and it's now hot desks and things like that. So where do I sit? So if you have sensors that can tell you these four desks are available in this area right mm -hmm. now and gives you directions how to get there and so on, because you, know, you get uh, big consulting companies like a Deloitte or whoever, those folks don't come into those offices all that often. The, the, their bosses don't want them in there. They want them out doing billable hours for a client. But sure. uh, if they are coming in, then where do I sit? How mm -hmm. do I use this? So all that stuff is very instructional. I think another great example of boring signers that went from, well, that's an interesting idea to just uh, exploding in use and becoming standard was meeting room signs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you saw the first ones maybe six, seven years ago, it would be an iPad or an Android tablet and it would jack into some room reservation system. Now they're really sophisticated and most places use them and it's giving you analytics about the usage rates of those rooms and allowing companies to think about, do we actually need these two big meeting rooms? They could be four because our analytics are showing on average, there's only four people using these at any given time. So we can, we can downsize and add more of them and get more out of the leasable space. I totally agree. I, th I think the push around COVID has obviously made things happen much faster in certain areas as well, where this has yep. now become we had a really weird scenario when COVID did happen, we were kind of battening down and expecting a lot of silence, you know, due to people going home and that being it. But people took the opportunity at that point to go, let's go and reconfigure the whole office because nobody's here right now. And that was a huge conversation point is how do we make this a far more flexible workspace? But there's two pieces. One was how do we make it more flexible and more hot desk friendly and more capable of having, you know, people moving in and out from hybrid working, but also the other side is to how do we engage better with our workforce with the digital signage because we're mm. not all here at the same time anymore and how do we cross-pollinate that communication um, to both of those in tandem. And I really like the fact you mentioned um, some of these you know, remote uh, deskless workers because that is the bread and butter of where it's used when it's not in corporate spaces. It's in manufacturing, mm -hmm. it's in uh, packaging and logistics, it's in all of these spaces where people tend to use it for communicating with mass audiences that just aren't ever looking at their screen. Yeah, and it's also uh, tends to be environments where probably more so than certainly in an office space, there's a pretty good chance that uh, the dominant language isn't the dominant language in the front office. So in like a manufacturing facility, particularly in uh, the US and Canada, there might be a large workforce that's uh, Hispanic speaking first and only has a fleeting grasp of English. Mm -hmm. So if there are ways that you can communicate to them in multiple languages and even do some like onboarding and training with interactive screens, uh, you, you can do that and you can even have audit trails out of those interactive pieces that'll show, that'll verify that of our new hires, 80% of them have already done their safety certifications or whatever. Yeah. Com compliance is a big piece of that. Just making sure yeah. that they are approved that they've delivered a message X amount of times. And I think it kind of ties in with uh, another one that we had recently where you say training videos and onboarding videos, you can actually have all of that content pre-programmed on, onto a trigger basis. So you can say, right, yep. here's 20 new starters today because that's the level of turnover of staffing that we have. 
Everybody yeah. sits down, we press a trigger, we know they've watched the video, we're fully compliant with health and safety, and they can mm -hmm. get on with their job as soon as possible. I think that also opens up a really interesting perspective later on for how can AI help with some of those pieces? Because when you're talking about multilingual issues and being able to cover those, there's a really big, I think there's a big hole in the market for that to be fixed. I've tried a couple of multilingual AI tools and they are not up to scratch yet. Uh, no. I've been, I've been told. But, but how would you know when you convert to Mandarin and you listen to it back and go, well, that, that's pretty cool, but I have no idea whether I'm, you know, what I'm actually saying in Mandarin. But that's exactly what I did. I, I did one in Spanish and I passed to one of my, my Spanish coworkers and they came back and laughed and said, this is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Please don't send this to anyone. And they ended it's up- like the old Monty Python sk <laughs> skit about uh, the Hungarian guy and my hovercraft is full of eels. <laughs> I love Monty Python. So it, going back to digital signage, is there anything in particular that you saw that there was a potential for, but it just never really took in the market? Was there anything that you saw potential in that you don't think has really come to fruition? To me, the big one is content automation. Mm. And I, I have a personal story around this years ago, about 10 years ago, I, I worked with a, I, I wasn't working for, but I partnered with a uh, company in Korea that was doing video production, automated video production, where it was a plug into After Effects. You could drag and drop in images or even video and change mm. the text file. So it was like a full motion version of digital signage templates mm -hmm. that are out there. But it would be like 30 frames a second, the whole nine yards, and you could produce a very slick looking piece of video for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks, that sort of thing. So I, I thought, this is amazing mm -hmm. Th this would make it possible for end users and for resellers to generate a whole bunch of good looking content for very little, mm -hmm. but it never took. And I think part of it was just effort on my part that I didn't have enough time to really heavily market it. But on the other hand, I've seen variations of it come out since then, and they haven't really gone anywhere either. And I think it's just simply that it's difficult for people to wrap their heads around what's involved and what you're going to get out of it. And the templates, uh, e even if they're kind of nicely designed and everything else, the challenge I found with the ones that I was working with is the folks who were creating them didn't really fully understand advertising. So instead of them being 15 second spots or 30 second spots, there were 17 second spots or 32 second spots. And they didn't have stingers at the end with a brand logo mm -hmm. and a call to action or things like that. They were just kind of pretty motion graphics templates. So I think content automation, the idea that you can produce a whole bunch of content really, really quickly, uh, you know, use a data table and they just spit out. Mm -hmm. All that stuff exists, but it's never really taken off. And uh, maybe it's just a matter of time. Maybe AI is the thing that finally gets it there. Yeah, that's... The, that content automation piece is something that I've seen come around. There's a couple of different companies that I can think of off the top of my head that do that. I think what an end user needs to, and content automation for clarity is that kind of ability to churn out multiple versions of a video or an image mm -hmm. asset with certain data that's been inje injected into it based on an Excel yep. file or wherever that data source is. And you need to have a big enough pain point where that content is so exorbitantly large and the data is mm -hmm. so varied where it's more cost effective to have a resource to do that than an individual person. I think retail spaces, that really makes a lot of sense. QSR, where you've got um, 
pricing from franchisees that varies or you've yeah. got pricing or, or offers that are not available in certain regions or locations. That makes a huge amount of sense for that one. I don't know if I can, what the use case for corporate would be. I guess pulling data from intranet services might be a good example of where that would come into play. Yeah, maybe uh, in, in situations where you have uh, like an Amazon or somebody who has a whole bunch of distribution centers and they all have different information by it, but there's a standard message that they want to get across. Mm -hmm. I ran a panel, oh, about a month ago now in New York. Uh, and one of the guys on the panel was the CEO of Intersection, which is a big digital out of home media company. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about using content automation and AI to... Uh, create hyper-local versions of ads and messaging. Mm. So getting messaging down to neighborhoods because they have this link on NYC display totem network where they're on sidewalks in all the boroughs. Mm. And you could have something that's about Williamsburg and something else that's about the Bronx or some particular area of the Bronx or Harlem or whatever it may be, Soho, Tribeca, that kind of thing. So th th there's some potential around that. Mm. That's interesting. There's a lot of intelligence that's it's bubbling around the surfaces now. But digital out of home, I think, will be the first one that gets affected by that because of the advertisement network that they have to manage and the tools yeah. that they need there with the regionalization. Yeah, and they're already somewhat conditioned to using data targeting and everything else because of programmatic. Mm -hmm. So they kind of know all that, or at least it's their mindset to start with. 100%. I, I did want to ask you a question, actually, because I know you spend a huge amount of time interviewing CEOs, executives, people within the industry mm -hmm. and the business that know a huge amount of information. But how often do you actually get to experience an end user set up or, you know, like go on location to a, to a customer? Do you, have you ever done that? Is that something that ends up being in your remit? Um, for a bunch of years, I juggled doing 69 and doing some writing with doing consulting. And my consultants range from startups and nonprofits all the way up to Nike and Bank of America and mm -hmm. Lexus and companies like that. So yeah, I, I used to go on site and uh, used to kind of walk a facility, so to speak, with the end user customer to talk about, you know, what's the challenge and what are you trying to achieve? Mm. And the big question I always ask and I always encourage people to ask is why? Why do you want to do this? Because yeah. it's amazing still how many end user customers can't really quantify that. They, do, they don't quite have a full grasp of why they want to do this. They just know that they've seen it elsewhere or it doesn't happen so much now, but they used to say because it would show we're innovative and yeah. it, it, it shows that we're technically savvy or technologically savvy. But more and more, they're starting to understand the return. And as we were talking at the start, the return, maybe there's a little bit of a return in the sizzle of a big flashy video wall in the lobby of their office tower or whatever, but mm. the real return is going to just be more effective communications with their customers and their staff mm -hmm. that just make sure that they know this or they're aware that this is on sale or it's that this area is closed, go here instead or just all that stuff. That's really, it's really funny that you said, because I know for a fact that you haven't listened to the second uh, episode of the podcast, but we had Jason Alton from Kaufman Media. And one of the first things he says was, when he, he first speaks to a customer, he asked them seven whys, which is basically, why yeah. do you want to do this? No, but really why? No, but really why? Until you get to the yeah. final answer. And you basically say, it's, it's very clearly still the number one question that needs to be asked because some people just get tasked with these things 
without a clear, yep. definitive reason of, of what they want to get out of it. What's what's the reason? Why why couldn't this be a physical board? Why couldn't this be a yeah. intranet site? And I think it's a really good question to ask yourself at the beginning because it's not a cheap endeavor, but it can be incredibly effective at communicating if you get it right. Yeah, and and along with why I'm an old newspaper journalist and you're taught in J school that you should make sure you establish the five W's, mm-hmm. what, when, where, why, mm-hmm. and how. And that that's, to this day, a really great discipline to lay out why you're doing this, who's going to own it, when's it going to happen, where's it going to go, all those things. That, it sounds really simplistic, but when you kind of pencil it out, you realize th- this is a great way to kind of quantify and lay out why we're even doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... That makes perfect sense to me. With kind of digging into your knowledge a little bit further then, if you were consulting, back consulting again today and customer said to you, look, mm-hmm. we're, we're corporate comms, we have, let's say we've got four or five locations and we want to do digital signage. And you've gone down that question saying, why do you want to do it? What's the, you know, what's the, what's the clear defining difference between this and any other le- level of communication? What would be your kind of, task list that you would deliver them? What would you say? You've got to come back with this information. If you can tell me these three three things and you can quantify the next steps, then we know we're in the right place. Uh, Well, ideally, if I was doing that sort of work, I really like to go on site to kind of walk around and get a a sense of the dynamics Mm -hmm. because then you can kind of really see, understand things like sight lines, understand how the building, the facility the area work mm-hmm. and the things that you may believe are important might not make any sense uh, or maybe it makes sense but only in a certain time frame so i just try to really understand the obvious thing of you know what are the big challenges you're facing what are the communication challenges mm-hmm. and then make sure they're not thinking about, okay, well, we'll we'll get this because we can do these two things, but then we'll just subscribe to some content or we'll find some stuff to put on there. Uh, And I I always wonder about all of the digital signs out there that continue to to run weather Mm. on their screens. And I know people say it's popular and everything else. I'm suspicious of that popularity. Because if you do a search in the iPhone app store, you'll probably find 30,000 weather apps or something like that. It's like, it's not hard to find. Yeah. Traffic's not hard to find. All those things are not hard to find. So I, I really think you, anybody who is developing a programming schedule really needs to think through what's going to be useful for the people who are seeing this and for the business and the cause and effect of what they're doing, as opposed to we'll make it look pretty with all these different things in a schedule. That's really insightful. I totally agree. I, I think clocks and weather and things like that, they're still go-tos for us to talk about because people want to talk about them. Um, and I yeah. think it's the expectation of basic minimum requirements for digital signage. I, think- well, I also think it's because a lot of the software companies market on the basis of what their software can do. And they, they want to show that, yeah, we can do multiple zones and they show a layout and here's a ticker, here's the weather, here's this other thing. And then, you know, I just did something on LinkedIn today about... Uh, a school mm-hmm. somewhere in, I think it was in the U.S. somewhere, and they had way the hell too much on the screen. Yeah. Like they had menu items. They had all five days on there with 
15 menu items and then something on the side and then something on the bottom. Yep. And I said, this is an eye chart. This is something you need to read with binoculars. Mm -hmm. Calm it down. All you need to show is the menu for that day yep. and make it full screen. Yep. So to my point is just, I, I think end users go on websites and they get presentations and those presentations show all this capability that we can multi-zone. We can do all these things. So they figure that must be what we do. Yep. A hundred percent. And I can tell you this, and I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this. So if this doesn't make it to the final cut, I, I, <laughs> I was declined uh, to uh, be able to say this, but I know that last time we did a review of content in signage live that 85% of customers don't use layout designs. So, and that's a huge portion of time that's spent discussing something that nobody uses, but it's a yeah. feature set that I think people expect. And there's a fear that if you don't talk about that feature, you expect it doesn't exist. Therefore you have mm -hmm. to mention it. But the reality right. is, and it, it always circles back down to this, is your digital signage is a way to ingest data or information by osmosis over a period of time. It's mm -hmm. not an email, it's not a Slack message, it's not something that you look, digest, and then delete and never see again. It can be information that can be mm -hmm. slowly built into your mind as you work. Um, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, one of, the, one of the most interesting things I heard from Intel when they were marketing their um, own version of computer vision, they, they bought a company called Cognivision years ago. Mm. And they, like a lot of the companies who were marketing that stuff, were marketing it the wrong way. They were trying to peddle the idea of if 65-year-old guy like Dave is in front of the screen, market depends for them or God knows what. And if a woman is in front of it, market something different. Mm -hmm. And I don't really ever took in the slightest other than on trade show demos. But what was always interesting to me is the insights that, computer vision would give you about how long people were looking at a screen. And I asked Intel to, to do a sweep of all their installed locations and cameras, and it was less than three seconds. Yeah. That's how long people look, two and a half to three seconds. And but that's you, reduced now. Yeah. So you, you've got like blinks to get information across to people. So for God's sakes, Think of this like billboards. Mm -hmm. You've got three, four, five, six words, maybe one image, boom. Yep. If you're delusional and think that somehow people are going to stop what they're doing and just stand there or sit there and read this, you're, you, you, you've lost your mind. Yeah. No, I, 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 something that we've been discussing quite a bit recently as well is the YouTubification of digital signage is my coin term, where it's like, well, what if I could tell you what the retention rate was? What if I could tell you what the engagement rate was or the gender split or the age split of all this content? Mm -hmm. If you had that data, would you change anything? That's the question. So if you suddenly discovered that your 20 second video is only going to get a 1% watch through, don't make it a video, make it an image with three pieces of text on it. And you just go, mm -hmm. there's your information. Um, that's really, really insightful. I think that is where I've, I've seen some really bad digital signage in the past where, mm -hmm. you know, it's a PDF that's been scanned, put onto the screen in the wrong format, in the wrong size. Or spreadsheets. Or spreadsheets. And luckily there's a lot more services out there today that will take that data and make it user-friendly or make it visibly friendly. Mm -hmm. Screen feed is one that comes to mind. There's lots of other ones out there that take that yep. and just go, let's make this tidy. But it's the war on a different generation how, how long the new generation have to engage with content. So I, I think it's important to 
Keep in mind, though, while attention spans are very, very short for a lot of digital signage, uh, anything where people are moving around, there are circumstances where the dwell time is going to be longer, like mm -hmm. on a train, like uh, on our way up to Cambridge. You, you do have time to notice things and to look around, and you're probably somewhat bored and looking for something to look at. I, I, I think the other dynamic is in a waiting room area where there's queue management. I think queue management is absolutely fantastic as a sticky application mm -hmm. where, you know, people are going to look because they, they've got B107 and it's B101 right now. So they're going to keep looking up at that to find out when's B107 going to come up. And if there's something right beside it, that's marketing services or making them aware of you, you don't have to be sitting here. You could be doing this online. Yeah, right. And, and avoid all this. You know, then you go, oh, shit. But <laughs> that, that sort of thing is, is different. So I don't think it's, there, there's not a blanket assumption that nobody has time to actually read these things. So keep it short. Mm. It, each message should be short no matter what. Yeah. But you, you have an opportunity in certain situations to spend more time with your viewers. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's where you see a lot of like, that's where layout designs come in. You've got L bars and yep. things that are there to design to capture attraction and then kind of just feed people advertisements or whatever it might be, information on the side. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of live TV obviously is used for that functionality. That makes total sense to me. Yep. So we're running, running close on time. I did have one, one or two other questions I did want to ask you before, before we finish here, which uh, the first one is very broad strokes. What do you see the future five, 10 year trajectory of digital signage, given your kind of experience with it in the past and where you think it's going now? If I look back five years ago, I was still trying to explain to people what I did and what industry I was in and everything else. And I would say, you know, the, uh, the digital or now digital menus you'd see in McDonald's or in Canada here at Tim Hortons. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, got it, got it. Uh, now... It's everywhere. I'm kind of surprised when I'm out and about if I don't see screens in retail environments, in QSR environments, or public transit, all that sort of stuff. It's pretty much baked in. I, I think the future of this will be so much more integrated. And those companies, whether they're software companies or solutions providers, who insist on staying in this very narrow lane of we do digital signage are opening themselves up to a world of pain. They need to be open and they need to be integrated with business systems. Mm. I know Signage Live, you guys were among the very first to start talking about headless CMS yep. and how we could just be the plumbings, we can be the, the plumbing, the pipes, whatever, to deliver messages and monitor the network. But use your own content creator cool tools, your own asset management system, whatever, to do that. And I, I think five, 10 years from now, and probably a lot sooner than that, uh, screens are just going to be stitched into how a building operates mm -hmm. and how a business operates, and it should be seamless. And if you have to back out of what you do for everything else and then log into the digital signage platform to do that one narrow thing, I don't think you're going to get a lot of traction mm. other than in the small business market. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th I agree with a lot of this system just in terms of the way that people are looking at it now is becoming more and more prolific. And I think as things, get, you know, as LED becomes uh, a much more broadly used tool and uh, the costs start going down and people mm -hmm. start understanding the value of it. I, I have like a, a passion myself of a lot of like AR related stuff and I, I can see those two potentially integrating in the future. Yeah. 
with new headsets and things arising. So it'd be really, really fascinating to see how they kind of interlock with each other. Yeah. And I think the dis display technology is going to be a design consideration. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's starting that already, but it's, I, I, I just was training emails with an interesting company that does e-panels, but they're in behind like wood veneers and things like that Okay, or metallic materials. Hmm. And it kind of shows through because it's thin enough and you're going to start to see building lobbies that look like that. Wow. Uh, all, all kinds of finishes. We're still in the early days of LED embedded in building glass, but that's going to get better and better. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see big glass curtain walls and airports and things like that, mm. that are active and are able to do things as opposed to putting printed vinyl graphics on them with a man lift and all that, you know, they could be changeable as, as often as they need to be. So eventually there could just be a day where you're building out your office designs and you go, well, you know, here's, here's material A and for an extra 20%, you can have LED built into it just in case you want to turn that into a canvas at a later date. Yeah. Uh, I, I, architects are already building digital into their practices. I, I guess the, the most compelling one would be Gensler, which is a huge design firm based in the U.S. They have a digital department that, and I know a couple of the, the people who are working for them and uh, they're, they're very much digital people. So they're being pulled into meetings when they're talking about building a stadium, an airport, an office tower, all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's not build the facility and then after the fact go, we got a big blank wall there. We could probably put a big ass video wall there. So <laughs> now it's, they're thinking about that from the very start and, and how uh, people experience a building. And one of the interesting things I heard from Moment Factory, which is this amazing um, content creation company out of Montreal, yeah, is that they were saying that large companies are now having to compete on uh, the environment that they present to people who they want to hire and come into their offices and in job roles where it's highly competitive and that they can pick and choose who they want to work for. They can look at building A and building B and go, building B is a hell of a lot cooler because yeah. it's got all this really in interesting digital stuff in the lobby and through the stitch through the rest of it. And that can, you know, make the case, see that as well with, uh, digital being applied, uh, for college recruiting, particularly for in the U S for athletics, where the, uh, alumni centers and the particularly the training facilities for football and uh, basketball and so on. These are blinged out like they're professional sports places. Yeah. Even better. Mm -hmm. You know, every locker has a digital display tuned to that player and the whole bit. So you get impressionable 18 year old young men or women walking through there and they're going, oh my God. Yeah. I want to, I want to play here. Look at that. Yeah. They've got 100%. my name up there. It's, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. The collegiate level stuff over there in the U.S. is, is, Another it's insane level. how much money they spend. Yeah, we, I've never seen anything like it in from the the UK or anything like this. It's complete. It's difficult to explain the level of effort that uh, universities and colleges go to to, especially from a sports perspective. You know, invest yeah. in the talent. Yeah, and you go on the other side of the border up into Canada where I am, and uh, it's it's would be like the UK. It's yeah, you, you don't see any of that. No, it's a totally different world. Well, Dave, I really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, again, if you, if people want to find you, where's the best place to come and, and find Dave Haynes stuff? Um, East coast of Canada. It just come over to the East coast of Canada. <laughs> uh, I am at 16 spelled out dash nine spelled out dot net. Just type in 16, nine, you'll find me. 
And uh, I definitely recommend you do it. I've been listening to Dave's stuff for, well, since I started in the industry about seven years ago. So uh, again, it's been a, a huge privilege and an honor to have you on board. And hopefully we, uh, we have you back honor. in again. An honor, an honor. <laughs> uh, and hopefully we get you back in again on another subject matter on another day. Happy to do it. Thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate it. No problem. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to Digital Signage Explored. That's the end of the episode and episode four. Hopefully you've gleaned some really good insights into Dave's knowledge and expertise. Again, if you would like to follow us on any services, please feel free to do so. Add a like, a subscribe, a comment, a star, depending on what platform you're using. We really, really appreciate you supporting the show and we're hopeful uh, that we're adding more value to you as you get to understand digital signage and how you might want to use it for your business. If you do want to follow us, you can check out Signage Live at signagelive.com and you can find me, Tim Baker, on LinkedIn and also Signage Live on LinkedIn, where our newsletter is growing at an enormous rate. So thank you very much again for supporting it. We're looking to create a community of individuals that are looking to build better digital signage. So your support, feedback, and especially your comments, reshares, and, and your thoughts are hugely appreciated. Uh, I'm really excited to keep going with this and growing and expanding. We'll see you on the next show. Thanks very much.